Welcome to Armchair Producers. This is episode 126. After a very long hiatus, we do apologize for the delay for all of our fans and listeners out there, but we are back and we are ready and raring to go with our standard monotony as you well expect from the Armchair Producers. Now let's just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to this week's episode of Armchair Producers, episode 127. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, 127 episodes of this. I am one of your hosts, George Terran, alongside the man, the myth, the body count himself, Mr. Travis Croft. How are you? I am fine and dandy, and I'm going to have to go ahead and correct you. I think it's 128. Um, Only 128. Last yes. week's was 27. So it's, uh, it's an even more ago. impressive number. Uh, yeah. We are watching. Uh, ignore the title at the top of a page if it says "Invasion of a Body Snatchers." In fact, I'm changing this week. It's the vibe. It's Marbo. It's Constitution. Um, yeah. It uh, summer has sort of arrived in Melbourne this week. We had the usual four seasons in one day yesterday. Yeah. And then again today, just in case we missed it, um, we had another power outage up at your place and we're coming to you 24 yep. hours later than we normally would have because mm-hmm. as you said god just doesn't seem to have a taste for this show no really doesn't and it's just like every time it's like, okay um, it's it's wednesday what shit are we gonna deal with today <laughs> locusts freaking i mean like i mean there are protesters around at the moment but they usually say what i answer. say now is bring it on with a show that god can't cancel so just in case, uh, we will apologize if there are any audio issues this week. I can't say yes. that I know I'm having some issues with uh, my um, hearing. Uh, George might have been replaced by a replicant during the week. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> that would be one funny. Zero. <laughs> one, one, one. We're going to give him the boy <laughs> camp test on air. So that'll be exciting. Um, <laughs> Uh, but if there's any audio, it would be, be kind of hilarious. It would be. It's um, where we uh, any audio issues, we do apologize. We'll, we'll, we'll power on in spite of them um, because, well, that's what we do for you guys. There we go. The things are all updated now. So, boom. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get straight on because we've got a packed show. Because uh, I decided to smash through some shit. Um, and and uh, we're finally, finally going to talk about Eternals. And, of course, we've got the latest Marvel TV offering of Hawkeye, episodes one and two at the very least. Have you watched episode three, Travis? I haven't had a chance to watch three because it only came out last night. And oh. I had work to so do we today. on the air, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't have any internet, and I've been able to watch episode three, but he hasn't. You also only just remembered to watch the freaking chain film last night as well. If um, if if the god hadn't interrupted, he, w- he we would have been hearing me talking about vibes alone. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, what? Well, no, because we would have just delayed that, and then I would have had to review some terrible rom com. Thanks to Michelle. Yes. Michelle, um, <sighs> Michelle was uh, is a bad movie machine who had a number of excellent suggestions that um, would come in handy. So we don't have to we don't have to exercise them to get to hear us both talk about vibes. But no, I've only watched the first two episodes of Hawkeye. Um, okay, and that's fine. it's fine. Um, but should we should we just move on? You got a pack show. Let's not waste time. Um, yeah, let's not waste if, time. If it, it's it's going to be all Marvel all the time to start with. I think. Because I think we've I think got at least so, three yeah, so. Marvel properties to talk about today. Because I just watched Venom Carnage this week. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched that yet? Not yet. Not yet. 
Um, give some early. Give some early watch list. Dude. Spoiler three impressions on that one. But we can come back. We can loop back in on that one. But the Eter- mm-hmm. and not the Eternals, just Eternals. Eternals. <laughs> yes. There's no that. So let's I, let's get straight into that, shall we? Let's. Oh, I saw this on Saturday okay. night. I apologize. It's taken a while. I know it's been out for a while in various places. Um, I. Um, That's all right. Nobody does. No one does care for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, I've actually avoided reviews of this for the last couple of months because it came out a couple of months ago, so overseas, and we were still in lockdown. Yeah, I think it is. But um, I um, I, I had someone promise to take me to see it for my birthday, which was last week, so I had to hang on. Um, and it was really weird hanging on because like it's a bit like. I don't think this is going to be very good, but I'm desperately curious to see it. And I, you know, so it was kind of not like I was anticipating it because I was really wanted to see it. Like, like when we when Endgame came out, you're like, I can't wait to see what happens. Um, mm. This was like a, how bad is this going to be? Um, and the answer is, meh, not that bad, I guess. Um, uh, you gave some early thoughts on it, I think, a week or two ago, and you sort of was giving me indication. You yeah. felt like maybe. It should have been a TV show or a mini series. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like um, I still feel, having thought about it, it it wastes the time that it has. It doesn't really do much. It kind of feels like a flick book of if you know the Eternals, then you can kind of go, oh, it's that, oh, it's that, it's that, it's reference to that, it's reference to that. But there's never any meat on any of the relationship bones, so to speak. The the character. Uh, Droog, he's like he's an interesting character. The little bits that we get him, but there's no connective tissue. He seems just, pardon the pun, eternally disparate from the rest of the Eternals. And there's feels like there should be tons of backstory and history between them as they've gone through the ages, but we never see any of that. So it's kind of hard to get invested in it. But I was curious about it, and the same with the. The romance between uh, Gemma Chan and Richard Madden is what was it? What were their characters' names? Cersei uh, and Icarus. And Cersei, yes. It's like, okay, this is supposed to be some kind of tragic romance of the ages kind of thing, but you don't really, it doesn't really it. give you an opportunity to show it. So, so some background here for think? people for people who haven't you know, been living under a rock, if you're not a fan of the MCU or. Um, the the Eternals, Eternal, sorry, is the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. This is an MCU film. It is a bunch of characters mm-hmm. who are completely brand spanking new to the MCU, mm-hmm. and not one previously um, introduced MCU character appears in the film at any one time. There are mentions of characters, particularly Thanos, who we've heard about a fair bit. But these are all mm-hmm. completely new. This film is directed mm-hmm. by Chloe Zhao, who won the Academy Award this year for Best uh, Best Director, I think it was, for uh, Nomadland, a film mm-hmm. I did not like very much. I thought it was cool. mm-hmm. beautiful but boring. Um, and you know what? That kind of describes this film too. Um, Chloe yeah. Zhao has a very distinct visual style, and she likes mm-hmm. broad, wide-open spaces. So... The scenes, there were certain scenes with, um, that were shot in West Dakota or South Dakota or something. Um, and just they the are very, just reaching up. the expanse yeah. of the American prairies kind of thing is very Chloe Zhao. If you've seen Nomadland, mm-hmm. you, you know, she, she, the way she shoots, um, the American, well, the American West in that film, it's almost pornographic. 
it's so beautiful um in the same sort of thing she likes his wide open space shots and she likes landscapes mm. um but um personally i i kind of found myself agreeing with you a little bit uh well greatly mm. actually in the sense that um this film has a lot of good ideas and a lot of potential um mm-hmm. but in the end it doesn't coalesce into anything doesn't coalesce into something worth seeing or it was interesting enough to carry me for the two hour 36 minute runtime you know what i yeah. think this film is this is the last jedi of the mcu um they've decided you want to go out and you want to see get where you're going with it. <laughs> i'm going to go out and they're going to get somebody who i mean we're doing the one thing again and again and that's very successful but now we want to do something different we're going to go out and get an auteur mm. cinema filmmaker that chloe Zhao. maybe she's not on the level um uh but you know of, of some other auteurs in the game but she is a you know, our house director and you know mm-hmm. um academy award winner so we get ourselves an auteur filmmaker um mm-hmm. and just give her carte blanche to do whatever whatever she wants yeah. and that's kind of what we've done here and they have done something different yeah. but um i don't think they've much like in the last jedi where ryan john I mean, now you and i differ on this ryan johnson just mm-hmm. didn't understand the source material well enough or care about the source material well enough or care about the fans or care about anything other than his creative vision um to actually make a film that was entertaining and also i think um in that case probably also you know fitted into the uh, fitted into the universe he was now taking part in chloe Zhao, not quite the same but the film feels empty uh yes. i have a number of problems with it the so basic plot of a film is we have the eternals they have been plonked here on earth by the celestials they are sort of guardians of a human race but only in very specific circumstances. They are here to defend the human race from the deviants, which are a big mm-hmm. species of monsters who were also created by the Celestials, but were a failed experiment or something like that. And but that's so, revealed by Ron. Uh, yeah, but they are there to kill the or protect humans from the, from the mm-hmm. deviants, and the deviants only. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a prime directive of sorts where they're not supposed to interfere otherwise, but they kind of do anyway um yeah the plot never really bothers to explain uh the deviants <laughs> look fucking awful they look awful like the special mm-hmm. effects in this a lot of the special effects are really lame i know it's a very mm-hmm. distinctive style uh, and maybe some people like it but i didn't i thought they looked mm-hmm. really shitty it looks like cgi monsters and they i know they are like but like they look like the similar kind of cgi that we got in uh, the mummy returns when they that weird pseudomorph of the rock as this the scorpion king and it's yeah like, okay i get what you're trying to do here but you didn't pull it off i'm afraid maybe it would have been cool if they were dinosaurs because that would like the deviants were dinosaurs and you know uh, you know that would have been kind of interesting but they could have uh, i know there, i don't know that's at the not... same time no, go on I, say, I haven't read the comic books, so I, I don't know what I mean. And I know they've taken, I did read my Marvel Encyclopedia, which is on the bookshelf behind me, uh, uh entry about the Eternal. It, and um, they've taken quite a few liberties for story as is. So, um, mm. it's uh, they, they, they really put me off from the start. Um, mm. each of the Eternals, and there are 10 of them, I think, um, have each got a is it 10? Um, something like that. <laughs> a lot of them. Um, and they have. <laughs> They have this is how much this is how interested in the characters i was um they they each had a unique power of sorts Mm. so we have cersei who is 
for one of the, played by Gemma Chan, who you mentioned earlier, is our protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. She can turn things into things. Um, yep. <laughs> that's pretty much she it. Can turn... She can turn stuff into other things. In wait, is it uh, is inorganic stuff in organic stuff? I think. I guess so. It's never really fully explained, but that's kind of her power. We have Richard yeah. Madden, uh, who, for, who qualifies for the Travis Rule, which is. Is there a square-jawed, handsome man starring in this film who I've never heard of? Yes, he must have been Game on Game of Thrones. Thrones. Um, and in I fact, we have no two Game of Thrones. And I had no idea who either of them were, so I was like, okay, <laughs> they must be on Game of Thrones. Um, and I think it's kind of ironic that the character is he's, – he, he plays Icarus, who did have a relationship with Cersei, and I think that's kind mm-hmm. of – Game of Thrones fans have been going, ah, that's a bit ironic, isn't it? I'm like – Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. really know, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, he plays the <laughs> faux Superman character who can fly mm-hmm. and shoots lasers with his eyes. We have Angela mm-hmm. Jolie as Fina, who is like uh, the Wonder Woman proxy, who can mm-hmm. who is a, a warrior, if you will. Mm-hmm. Selma Hayek as Ajax, and she's definitely there. Um, yes, Kamal. She she can she's a healer. That's right. She can heal. That's right. Uh, yes. uh, she's also the nominal leader of the group. For the first yep. seven thousand years or so, Kamal mm-hmm. Nanjiani plays Kingo, who can shoot lasers out of his hands. Um, Sprite, mm-hmm. played by Liam McHugh, can is, um, can create uh, mirages, illusions. I guess, illusions. Yeah. Um, Brian Tyree Henry plays Fastos, who is an engineer um, of sorts and creates like oh, yes. engineering bizzo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lauren Ridloff as Makari, who is basically the Flash, um, and Barry. Oh, Barry Keon, as I pronounce it, Keon, um, plays Droog, who you said can control yep. minds. Um, mm-hmm. And we have Ma, Dok, Ma Dong Siok as Gilgamesh, who is kind of a Hulk kind of character. He's strong. Um, yeah. And so they are kind of an alternative uh, Justice League, and you could look at it through that lens mm-hmm. as a critique yep. of, or, or a, um, you know, a, a deconstruction of, of a Justice League. And mm-hmm. we haven't seen that before, have we? uh you know invincible <laughs> did it a lot better um so you can see right there there's a lot of characters and george have forgotten some of them um mm-hmm. what i was most afraid oh, was... of for, sorry right, go on. So what i was most afraid of from this film was um and i've had this conversation on the show a few times is i think oftentimes studios put the politics first and then they make the film and they go mm. we want a film that's going to be diverse so we're going to hire you know multiracial multi-gendered, multi-abled, mm-hmm. multi, you know, many different sexualities into a film, mm-hmm. into our characters. And then they go, and they put that, that that recipe and they give that to the writer and go, write me a film that does that. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know somebody who's going to be listening, who's going to go, that's not how these things work. But anyway, um, and I think that sometimes <laughs> that when they don't actually make a film that serves the story, they make the film that serves the politics, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I was afraid this was going to be one of those in the sense it was like it does have that rainbow cast of different. Mm. We have Lauren Ridloff in here, who's actually a deaf actor, uh, mm-hmm. and she plays a deaf character. Uh, we have mm-hmm. Brian Tarrant Fastos is a, a, a gay character in the film. He is married to a man, has mm-hmm. a family. Um, mm-hmm. We have, you know, uh, Kamal Nanjiani and Selma Hayek, people of color. You know, um, mm-hmm. men, women, all this sort of thing. We have it's, and I don't know about Leah McHugh. Someone said they thought she might be trans, but don't know if she is. I haven't been able to find any evidence that she is. So, 
don't know. Um, but I would certainly say she kind of, she's not said she is, but I mean, one could see her as kind of a intersex type character. Um, but I mean, the, she plays Sprite, right? Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, the, the end relation of her love is like, okay, well, that's a bit creepy. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, but there are this, this, this sort of real diverse cast, and that's so trendy right now. And I don't trust Marvel with these sort of things because I feel like they've done them poorly in the past and they put them in as window dressing. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel organic in the film and it can kind of detract. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely not the case in this film. This film suffers, is actually kind of crappy, in spite of the fact that the cast mm-hmm. really, really works. So not because the mm. cast is diverse and, you know, all those good things. It's actually fan- – and I am I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a great thing that all these different characters are played the way they are and mm. are included in the story. Inclusion is important. Um, diver- uh, but the film suffers – it fails because, not because of them, in spite of them. They all mm. kind of do that kind of thing reasonably well, but the film suffers in spite of it. Uh, can I just yeah. get that out there straight away? The film suffers because you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten suit new superheroes in this film, none of which we know about. We are given very little time to care about any of them or know about any of them. And the ones I do ask us to care about are the least interesting characters in the film. Yeah, 100%. And there's the you've, you've got Cersei, who is the definitely the main focus followed by Icarus and Cersei's power is kind of unexplained and they keep on kind of they they so desperately want you to invest and feel this emotional weight and the gravity of everything that they are doing and how it's trying they feel like they're trying to get the audience to imagine what it must be like to be guardians of the earth and literally watch mankind go from like literal kind of Conan the barbarian style slaves in the waste to what we are now and what they dealt with with the with the snap and the return and all of that stuff but this the story just kind of fails in actually showing it and it's a matter it's very much a matter of time because the there are little scenes that come through that are sort of like, oh, I can tell that's key, but you haven't quite earned it. And it just feels like, it's like oh, skip to the next bit, skip the next bit. And there is, for, for a movie that is out, the journey of these characters over 7,000 years or however long it is, they forget to actually include the journey in the storytelling of the relationships and the character arcs. Which you made a good observation kind of that, ironic. that one of the key relationships in the film is between Icarus and Cersei. And as I said, I mm. think they're two of the least interesting characters, especially Cersei, which is mm. a shame. I quite like Gemma Chan. She was in a mm, British TV too. show called Humans that I really liked. But she mm. did play a robot in that. So she was pretty yeah. well uniquely qualified to do that because she doesn't seem mm. to have a lot of range. But they have this relationship, and apparently they were dating and they were together for 5,000 years. And then they've mm-hmm. broken up, and at the start of the film, they sort of catch up together again for the first time in God knows mm-hmm. how long. But you never feel like these two people have been together for thousands of years. That that mm-hmm. that gravity of of knowledge about that that feelings of that relationship just don't seem to be there. 
the film that made me yeah. think of at that point in time was a significantly less also an unsuccessful comic book film and that was the old guard remember that one with um Shelley Theron on Netflix. Oh, yeah. That's you remember right. that film was about superhero type characters who'd been around alive for thousands and thousands yeah. of years. And some of them had coupled up. It was a, a same sex couple in two of them who were now right. been together for thousands of years. And while I don't think that was a great film, um, that part of it I felt was very successful. And you said, You felt that relationship. These people, I, I don't know, obviously, no one has ever known each other for thousands of years before. Um, but if you did, I kind of feel like it would look a little bit like what they felt like in that. They look like in that film. Like, mm. Those characters they ha- seem to have an ease together, a way of relating to each other that felt like maybe they'd been together for, you know, de- centuries. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't get that in this film. Maybe it was that was definitely lacking. Yeah, but um, every element of it, there's. You said it at the start. There's there's real nuggets of an interesting story, like the evolution of the deviant that comes to be known as Crow, apparently. But I don't think that's ever actually pointed out in the movie. The one who becomes more sentient and can talk and things like that. It's like, okay, that's an interesting concept. Let's. Oh no, we're we're not really going to do anything with that anymore. And the the fact that Drug had the, this wonderful emotional breakdown when he sees all these people kind of coming in and destroying everything that they built and he is chastised using his power to stop war and he just goes off into seclusion I'm like well that's actually really cool and interesting but you never revisit it you never really go back to it you just kind of pick up and let's go um it's it's just it's I feel like it's a real missed opportunity and I do wonder if part of it is because of what is kind of for. Because this is the first kind of interstellar group of superheroes and ooh, that suddenly sounds a little bit like Guardians of the Galaxy. And Guardians of the Galaxy was an unequivocal success. It was a complete and utter hit. It launched all of the actors in those roles and it's basically impossible to think of any other act in those roles. We fell in love with them straight away. There was instant connection with them. And we can remember all of those characters, even though most people in the world had no idea who the Gunners of the Galaxy were. But they got the right... I think the, the key here is... Well, there's a few things I think they've kind of got wrong here. Is one, I mean, there are a shit ton mm-hmm. of Eternals. Like, there are more than mm-hmm. the ones in this film. And so um, that's a hard task. And go back to it again, mm-hmm. what we said at the start. This absolutely, I know it was like maybe some of a scale that they wanted, but it should have absolutely have been a show on Disney Plus. In 10 episodes, mm-hmm. maybe even get 11 mm-hmm. episodes, one episode per character. We get an hour to learn okay. who each character is. Episode 11 mm-hmm. is the showdown. And each episode can like, sort of build up to the, you know, the big bad at the end. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, we could have we could have got to know the characters in the lead up and then had the the, exactly. the blow off at the end, um, and then we you know it's a bit like Justice League. Remember, like we we didn't really get we only got we got a Superman movie, and mm-hmm. then you have know, a Batman Superman movie, and then we just chucked them all together. We got no Flash. We got you know we didn't have yeah. an Aquaman film out at that point in time. We didn't we certainly didn't get a Cyborg film. So no. yeah, you know, it just sort of expected us to know who these characters were and care. Um, this is mm. the first time we've kind of done it. I mean, in fairness, the Guardians of the Galaxy had a smaller group of heroes to, mm. to tell True. the story about. True. And a significantly more talented director, I would say, or a significantly 
better suited director for that kind of story than Chloe yeah. Zhao. Yeah. I'm sure she's wonderful if you like, you know, beautiful, boring art house films. Um, you know, <laughs> if, if you want something that's actually entertaining, I haven't seen anything from her yet that says she's the person to hire. Um, that's true. So I'm sure she'll get a suit Star Wars trilogy before long. <laughs> um, I think she's doing a, 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 I think she's doing like a Dracula movie or something next. Great. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, well, that would fit it's, with her soul tone. Like, I was quite interested. I think that, for, I mean, it's obvious because he has the best lines in the film is Kamal Nanjiani. I think he's the most engaging mm -hmm. character in the film. Mm -hmm. I think he has the most screen presence of anyone yep. in the film. I'm a huge fan of Kamal Nanjiani. I think he's a mm -hmm. wonderful actor. Um, and the other one was Brian Tyree Henry. I think his character of Fastos was actually quite interesting as well. And my interest mm -hmm. level seemed to rise every time he was on screen. Would have liked to have seen a lot more of those two characters, but mm -hmm. we don't because we don't have time. We've got to spend as much time as we can with the, you know, the, the Gemma, the, uh, the Cersei Icarus uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. I also found the jumping around very irritating and, yeah. and out of put, off putting. So it'd be jumping from time period to time period, backwards and forwards all over the world. The film that reminded me most at that point was um, the Rouge One, um, uh, the Star Wars film. Um, he is everybody all of the knives today, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone loves that film, I know. Like, the amount of people I bump into who are Star Wars fans, I love that film, you got to watch it again. I'm like, yeah, you know, the first half hour of that film is jumping around all over the place so much. It really, mm -hmm. I was just kind of out after that first half hour and it could do whatever yeah. it wanted at that point and it had already lost me and it kind of did the same sort of thing here it was constantly jumping around back and forth and it, I, I just didn't think that served the story terribly well, well the reason why they did that is because they tried to eventually make this whole movie a murder mystery and they botched it because okay so like we've got some hike yeah we're gonna show that she's dead in the first 15 minutes of the movie or whatever okay cool well, let's find out who it is. It's obvious who it is. And everyone's just being stupid because story needs them to be. Yeah, it's not um, going to do a murder mystery. They should have got uh, Daniel Craig in for this one and he could have been like... Um, <laughs> yeah, ben Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Um, I would have loved that. Things I liked about the film, like I said, Kamal Nanjiani mm. is very funny, very engaging. Yes. Um, I hope he he was actually James Gunn was going to cast him in one in one of his films, but then uh, mm. the Marvel guy said, "No, we've got him in mind for Eternals," and he said, "Oh, well, that's a bigger role. Yeah. Let him have it." Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see more of him. Um, mm -hmm. I liked the Celestials, who I assume spoilers here, people, if you haven't seen it, too bad. Um, it's been out for oh, weeks. Oh, like the Ashamala, the, 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 the Ashamala. I think it's called sort of the things. Celestials, right? But the character who, mm. yeah, but I think it's it's Galactus, right? That's not Galactus. Galactus, I don't think is technically an uh, a celestial, but it, there's some kind of connection or relationship with the Celestials because you know Galactus comes along and just eats worlds so <laughs> the Celestials are shown to easily be big enough to do that whatever it is it bloody well looked like mm. it um, uh, the one in this movie was called Ashamar I think it is oh well that's completely different then like it just happens to look exactly like what Galactus looks like but it's not 
doesn't look at it's at all like Galactus. It's got a giant head in the fucking sky. That's racism. <laughs> uh, either way, it looked cool, right? In the, in the scene where finally yes. the, the, the it finally reveals itself, and it, you can see everyone on Earth can Galactus. It's go. very similar. Um, it's different. It's the other oh, has like six eyes or something. Oh, wow, well, it's <laughs> completely different. Like I, I, I think this is. If this isn't, if this isn't, if I don't do that, and I don't know how they can ever introduce Galactus because it looks exactly the same. Um, mm. Either way, it looked cool, super cool when we had the reveal of the mm. Celestial's head in the sky uh, that everyone mm. on Earth could see. That was freaking terrifying. Yeah, and it gave it gave you a sense of scope that, um, like, when um, in uh, Infinity War, when Thanos is ship comes in just the bleakest street and they go out and just see this sheer side of it and even Peter Parker senses it from like miles and miles away as he's going up the bridge it gave you that sense of scope of oh holy shit yeah that's fucking huge to suddenly have a head it's like show me what you've got yeah <laughs> it's, it's it did a good job of really invoking that sense of scale compared to the celestial because you really got that that was impressive uh i thought the third mm. act wasn't as bad as the as egregious as the third act in shang chi so mm. while there still was a lot of cgi bullshit going on um mm -hmm. it wasn't as cgi annoying as shang chi was that shang chi third act just sort of came out of nowhere it's like ah stick dragons in it um and you know it really kind of it kind of let the rest of the film down because it was just so classic marvel this one of course was a cgi fight but it was a little bit more in in character if you will it was like it was more in line that's with what the film had been talking about up to that point that's in time. Mm -hmm. um is this the worst fit marvel film to date according to you I don't think it is the worst. I think I still think that Thor: The Dark World is overall a worse movie because that didn't look good. The story was bad, and it just made the least amount of sense overall for me. It's the least enjoyable. This, at least, it was beautiful, and there were real genuine nuggets of interest. And I do also wonder if part of the reason why we feel like it fails where it does is because it has a bit of a voltron syndrome where it's trying to serve too many masters and set up this whole cosmos of things to go um it's, that could it's be it but it's also boring this, it's also yeah. boring it's boring yeah, that's that his problem. problem and that's chloe chow's problem you... she makes beautiful films that are boring and it needed to be more exciting mm. and it needed to give us some payoff at some point mm. even the end the way that it all ends, the like killing off of characters that may or may not be dead, if you believe the rumors line, and um, just where characters end up, and stuff like that. I don't care. It really makes no interest to me. And, and then the teaser of the, the voice who appears off screen and starts talking to Kit Harrington's character, um, it's like, okay, sure, you're setting that up, but just you for don't those who don't do know that. considering we've already spoiled other things in the film there is a post yeah. two post-credit scenes one mm -hmm. involving um the one of the cersei's human boyfriend supposedly human boyfriend played by mm -hmm. uh game of thrones person two um uh he's opening a box with a sword in it 
and uh <laughs> he a voice off camera says something to him and it turns out once you google it that is um Mahashala ali's blade mm-hmm. um so i liked that once i found out who it was but mm-hmm. it would have been so much so much cooler if we'd seen him because mm-hmm. i had to google it. even just reflection well that wouldn't have made sense because he I assume blade doesn't have a reflection because he's a vampire he's a daywalker um, he may have a reflection um but something like that it was just like a shadow right or something like some yeah. of the hint at him like uh, oh it would have it would have blown people's minds because the mid-credit scene left me very cold um yeah. the introduction of uh Chaos's brother eros and everyone in the city was like ah and i'm like yeah does everybody know who eros is and i don't then michelle who was with said that's harry styles and i'm like um wasn't he in a boy band he was in boy band right i think he was in, in one direction band, yeah. i think uh either Maybe. way i didn't recognize him I don't know. um yeah. and apparently that puts me in the uncool group of people <laughs> yes he was that in one direction put him in the uncool group <laughs> so i had no idea things. who the actor was like it's like i had mm-hmm. no idea who harry styles was and i was like why is everybody excited and it wasn't because of the character, it was because that was Harry Styles, and apparently the ladies like Harry. Uh, and that whole scene, the, the dwarf thing looks stupid. Um, no, and he's like, no, this is wrong. No, you've done it wrong. Um, yeah. You, I've sat through two and a half hours of your version of The Last Jedi, guys. Give me something for my trouble. You owe me something for my trouble. Give me a Nick Fury, uh, Maria Hill fucking something no but no give me give me a give me a game of you know uh you know uh, guardians they're in space give me a captain marvel even i would have been happy i would leave with a captain marvel reference um but no got nothing nope um i I found the the film was dull it was trying to do a lot of things it was we've been through all the problems but in in the end of the day it's just a bit dull and it shouldn't have been do you think it's worst marvel movie Oh, it's been a long time since I saw The Dark World. I'm going to be honest. Mm. But I don't think it was this bad. I don't remember being this bored. Mm. There's a couple of scenes in there where we started to see Hemsworth doing comedy a little bit. There's one scene where he walks into Jane's apartment and he hangs Mjolnir up on the, the coat rack as he walks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah, very yeah, charming and very funny. And like, I don't think this film had a moment like that. Maybe Carp Jamal Nanjiani's and his relationship with his um his assistant played by Harish Patel, Karun. Yeah. Those two guys had amazing chemistry. Those guys were getting laughs. They were um, they were awesome and they didn't use him enough. No, and he just, really under, Kamal under, just walks literally walks off for like two thirds of the final part of the movie. Like, oh hi guys, I'm back. You see you killed the thing and I abandon you. The other part of this is yeah. also that Sprite betrays him at the end, joins Icarus yeah. and tries to kill Cersei. And then after the battle, they're like, oh, you. <laughs> Let's do what you want. You know, we, let's just not mention the whole murdering is and betraying your friends of thousands of years. That'll be fine. No. Yeah, this is the Marvel Universe. There are no consequences. Let's not talk about it. Don't mention it all. So um, I don't, <laughs> I, it's, I didn't like Captain Marvel very much. People know my opinion on that film. I thought yeah. that was one of the weakest films in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think, what a perfect example of a film for me to put the politics first and then wrote the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you know, the, the wooden board would have given a better performance than, than Brie Larson in that film. 
but it is still better than this. It's it just misses that key element of enjoyment. And the, anyone who said, "Oh, but well you," if you say you want it to be serious, there's a very there's it is very easily possible to have enjoyable, serious movie. It's something that you really feel emotionally invested in. I came out of the movie and I just started analyzing it as a movie rather than going, oh, did I enjoy that? Was I liking this? Did I like that? It was a film 101 analysis rather than me looking back and going, oh, I liked how they did this, did that. Uh, I must say, Michelle gave a... a Michelle gave a brilliant criticism of this after we walked out of the cinema. Yet another cinema in Melbourne that didn't have the air conditioning switched on on Tuesday and Saturday night. So it was roasting in there. Um, so I actually I actually question going to the cinema now, right? If they're not going to turn the air con on, we're coming into summer. I might just stay home and torrent yeah. it. Um, but, yeah, Michelle gave one of his most brilliant criticisms. This is like a critique of rate of, of, of um capitalism and i'm like i'm like yeah you got a point um but i don't know if people turn up to marvel films to get a, a subtle critique of capitalism if they can yeah um and if you are going to do that you better make it fun mm. like i always I took black mirror to be have a very subtle anti-trump message or black mirror black panther mm. having a subtle anti-trump message running through it but that was also a lot of fun yeah um so exactly. fun then politics marvel fun Politics, fun politics. I know it works. Fun politics. Um, you know, it's very simple. I write it on the whiteboard in the writer's room for you. Don't write it on a whiteboard and wipe it off. Um, yeah, it's 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 it is the lowest rated Marvel film to date. It has a six point eight on IMDb and a meta score of fifty two. So, and mm -hmm. like I said the last couple of weeks, considering how the critics fillet anything that Marvel puts out and anything that reeks of diversity um, mm -hmm. and they just get down in their little hind legs and go, it's wonderful. Um, that that mm -hmm. tells you a lot about this film, um, mm. that it's got some problems. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, and they came out fairly soon after the movie released. There might not be a sequel. We don't it doesn't necessarily need one. It's like, okay, you could smell it, couldn't you? And you could smell that it might not be your the success that you want it to be, that you always want your movies to be, not judging them for wanting to make a successful movie. That's obvious. But uh, to come out and just kind of go, oh, that's like one and done. They Marvel don't really make one done movies. Well, these guys are going to have to incorporate. Well, it's a little bit like Captain mm -hmm. Marvel was originally going to get a sequel. Now she's kind mm -hmm. of getting a sequel. It's the Marvel. The Marvel. It's not just about her. We've now got Miss Marvel as well. You know, and she so... continued on in the, in the movies as holograms. But I think that's all that they can afford a relicen. You know, it, um, but she'll be in the Marvel. So they're like, mm, Brie, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to do the wooden board thing, maybe we'll get somebody who can act in the film as well. Uh, just to sort of <laughs> balance it out a little bit. Um, so maybe I'm sure the Eternals will pop up again. May I leave one final criticism of this film from me? For if you are. Mm -hmm. How do you get Angelina Jolie in a film like this and give her nothing to do? Like, she got minimal screen time in this film, and, like, I was so much more interested in what she was doing than just anybody else. She had so much more presence and charisma um, than, than most of the other characters. And the relationship that she had with Ilgamesh as well was great. 
just their their bond was just really wonderful and we never got anywhere near enough of it uh Ruben. go back to school go, go go and stand in the corner chloe and and kevin you've, you've done not done well think about what you've done <laughs> well, we, well, we're on the marvel bandwagon and it's just not us it's like just keep releasing shit. you got a yep. problem with it right to disney um stanley what a letter please release two less things a year i am not a crank um but marvel's hawkeye <laughs> did land just after the show while we were on the show doing yes. the show last week it landed on disney plus and they have been three episodes uh dropped now on the disney plus platform as, as we just discussed at the start i haven't had the chance to watch the third one yet because um i watch other things too um um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh this of course is based on the uh the character hawkeye played by jeremy renner in the um, mcu today uh series yep. based on the marvel comic superhero hawkeye centering on the adventures of young avenger kate bishop we took on the role after the original Avenger, Clint Barton. So spoilers, yes, in the freaking synopsis there. But I think everybody knows that Jeremy <laughs> Renner is out in the not-too-distant future of these films and doesn't want to do it anymore. And I'm fairly yeah. certain, considering some of the uh, controversy where he gets himself involved in as a person, um, Marvel probably won't be too sad to see the back of him. Um, and again, it, it's probably not entirely shocking to that he's being replaced by Kate Bishop, who I think is a character from the comic books. I think so. I know she definitely turned up in the Avengers video game. What a wonderful thing that was. Um, I... um, Kate Bishop is a 22-year-old Hawkeye um, character. She is... Yeah, anyway, she's she played this film, is... but... I assume she's part of she's the original... Well, one of the people who took on the Hawkeye mantle in the comic books. Hmm. Um... And it's why does it piss off a lot of people? The uh, the uh, the people out there who don't call it. Oh, it's the MCU now. Um, losers. Um, but she's played by Haley Steinfeld in in uh, the Hawkeye TV series. Haley, I think probably best known for True Grit. She played in about ten years ago. Um, yes. And she was also in Bumblebee, which I did not see because I don't watch Transformers films. I saw two of them. That was enough. Um, Just kept on remaking Otherwise, you... Bumblebee was actually the best of the Transformers movies. I've heard people say that, but they lost their chance. Mm. Uh, other names you'll see in here, Florence <laughs> Pugh. Uh, if anybody saw the Black Widow film, that will not be a shock that she's mm -hmm. going to turn up. Uh, Tony Dalton, who you'll be like, I know that guy. I know that guy. Um, who mm -hmm. is he? And he, of course, plays the character of um, Lalo in Better Call Saul. Um, I don't think you're watching okay. Better Call Saul, are you? Are you? No, I'm now doing it just to annoy you. The other one is missing out. Um, it's uh, anyway, Lalo <laughs> is the uh, the antagonist who's turned up in the last couple mm. of seasons of um, Better Call Saul, and he is fucking terrifying. Um, mm. Vera Famiglia, you probably recognize her. I think she's is she in the Conjuring films, is that her franchise? Yes. I yes. don't know. I, I yes. saw one once at the drive-in and thought it was awful. And I'm like, they've made how she many of these things? She was in that um, George Clooney one about the... Up in the air? Yes. And she was also in The Departed. And she was also in uh, the Bates Motel series. Yes, um, so she's yes. just one of those names you see popping up around. Laura Cardinelli mm -hmm. pops up. She was best known for probably Freaks and Geeks. 
um, which was early. Um, we see a lot of those big names. What's the guy? The guy we made all those. Uh, um, uh, uh, piece thing. Anyway, um, it's set in New York. We start by seeing um, uh, Cliff uh, Clint, sorry, and his family um, attending Rogers the Musical, which I thought was absolutely one of the funniest scenes in the uh in the first episode was him pointing out the fact that ant-man wasn't really there as they had the musical recreation of the battle of new york <laughs> that guy wasn't there um i i do i do appreciate that and i do appreciate just little bits like you know him just having um the uh, uh the hearing aid and stuff like that sort of like just tangible evidence of him getting older and having done shit that most people would not survive it's, it's nice to see that they actually get injured uh he's also playing the old man character a little bit he's got the hearing aid uh yeah the usual cheesy thing and then trying to get home by christmas i would love it if it's turned into a planes trains and automobiles type situation with him and kate bishop just trying to go cross country um fighting <laughs> off florence Pugh and, and 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 whatever else that that would be funny that would be cool. That would be awesome. Planes, trains, and superheroes. It writes itself. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, send the text in the post. I, I, we, we, we're prepared to... That is available. We don't own any of the properties involved, but, you know, we came up with the idea. That won't <laughs> stop us writing it. <laughs> it's a spec script. Um, I think <laughs> my first um, take on this, the first couple episodes here is, eh, it's okay. Yeah. It's not. I don't want to go into too much detail because these are fairly new. This is a fairly new show. I'd like people to have a chance mm -hmm. to see it if they haven't got around to it yet. As we come into Christmas, mm -hmm. um, we at the start of it we see you know Kate see uh, Kate in her apartment in New York watching um, the Battle of New York. We see Hawkeye uh, unknowingly save Kate's life uh, from a. Mm -hmm. What were these bad guys in the first film? First of film called again. Chitauri. The Chatari, because it blows up a, a, a one of those scooters with a Chatari on it. It's about to uh, smash into her apartment yeah. building. Um, and she becomes, uh, she asks, she was inspired by being saved by Hawkeye to become an archer and a martial artist. And she's a bit of a school mm -hmm. troublemaker at the start of a film. She has a very rich mother, played, um, uh, what's her name again? Uh, Vera Phoenicia, uh, who's yeah. just met a new, her new beau. Uh, uh, played mm -hmm. by Tony Dalton, the Jack Duquesne's, um, mm -hmm. and gets all caught up in a little bit of uh, shenanigans at a party where there turns out to be a black market auction in the basement of where there's this big party because uh, that's where most black auction, market auctions take place. Yeah, and she, she acquires the ninja suit that uh, Hawkeye was wearing in, in Endgame. The, uh, what do they call him? The, um, the, the suit of the Ronin. The Ronin, yes. See, I would have would have enjoyed this if it started with him sort of a little bit of story of him because I remember that was one of the more intriguing parts of yeah. Endgame. Was like, oh, they made Hawkeye interesting. Um, <laughs> and and uh, forget no. that, but that movie got his Hawkeye. <laughs> Pretty much, don't they, don't you know attention to the interesting stuff you saw previously? Um, and <laughs> and she needs to she beats the shit out of a bunch of guys <laughs> to escape. Hawkeye sees her getting beat down and rescues her, and they become best friends and decide to team up to uh, try and figure out what's going on with this the tracksuit mafia. Is that what they're calling them? 
Yes, yes, tracksuit mafia. Um, and what are you making of it so far? I'm very much with you. I feel like a lot of people are reading more into this than there may actually be. Like a lot of it, like the, the early trailer and especially the the notes of Christmas music that they're using in the first two episodes in particular, it's really asking you to kind of lean to those. Oh, it's it, it's like Die Hard, but with Hawkeye. That's cool. And that would generally be kind of cool. But it's not quite what's happening. Um, and the people kind of say, oh, we're going to be seeing, uh, this could be the reveal of Kingpin and having Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin officially into the MCU. Like, okay, that would be cool because he was fucking awesome as Kingpin. But at the same time, I don't know if that Kingpin exactly fits thematically, stylistically into the story that they're telling for this, unless this show of Hawkeye goes a lot darker because he was a dark it's fairly, it's fairly light and fluffy at the moment isn't it yeah um and you know there's only so much that you can go there, there's there's a very big difference of things where they have a pet dog you've got the light fluffy one or you've got um what's uh the um the Will Smith one where he um oh uh, was, I am legend yeah, I am legend. It's like, okay, that's bleak as fuck. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure Marvel aren't going to go that bleak. I think that's definitely going to send a message of, okay, this is where we're, we're sitting with this. It might be a very much the last thing we just get oh, a, a meeting of him in that iconic white suit or something like that. But um, it does seem like they're trying to to load it up with a lot of things. And for example, um, the character of Jack Duquesne, apparently in the comics, he's somewhat of Bartman's mentor, but that's apparently completely not happening in this, um, which is gonna be interesting to see if he's bullshitting not where the third episode ends up. Um, it's also apparently the Maya Lopez, um, who's uh, Ali Cox, uh, deaf commander, she has apparently got her own spin-off TV show works. So guess who survives the series, I guess. <laughs> um, I didn't even know which character um, she is. She's the the um, at the end of episode two, I think it is. Um, one of the the henchmen kind of goes into her room and this Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she, she, that's her. she look like yeah, gotcha, sorry. Um Yeah. Uh Interesting, we've got, uh, I think you know this person, Sir John says, my favourite recent trend is watching Clueless Tom Holland stance, watching the Tobey <laughs> Maguire Spider-Man, so hilarious, asking where Ned is mm. and why the Avengers aren't helping him, or wanting to cancel the Green Goblin. What does the Green Goblin do? Did he, did he, did he, did he say, did he, uh, did he praise um, Dave Chappelle's uh, Netflix special or something? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Sir John also says, so far for me, it's a little too Disney Channel-like. Same as Spider-Man, Disney makes a bunch of these shows. Young person becomes Spider-Man, mm. and a high school singer goes viral, etc. It is a very light show compared to, say, yeah. um, Loki. Well, it wasn't dark. It was dealing with some heavy, heavier themes. Uh, mm. And WandaVision particularly was dealing with a heavier theme of grief, mm -hmm. especially in the first half of the series. Um, and even, I mean, even it, it, Winter, Winter Soldier, that was socially 
quite aware. And and the, the it dealt with a lot of the um the, the racial elements. You know, mm. the, the scene where they tried the cops tried to arrest uh, um Falcon. Mm. You know, and mm. just because he's black, the whole and the, the Tuskegee experiment kind of um elements to the show and the the, the, the oppression of the, the black super soldier. Uh, so that's all that. Yeah. Uh, that's there. I mean, there's some jokes, but uh, it's all in there. And this one, so far, there's none of that in there. You're right. It just seemed like almost Home Alone, the Marvel's version. Oh, okay. So, so Jim was saying the Green Goblin saying to Harry, Mary Jane is a gold digger. Do as you wish, then toss her away. <laughs> yeah, that's. But he's a bad guy, right? Bad guys say bad yeah. shit. Yeah, I think that that's partly there to incite a little bit of hatred towards the character. Wait till wait till you these uh, wait till these kids see the uh, original Superman films. Uh, Gene Hackman, you know, <laughs> he wasn't mucking around, right? You know, no, he's he's my God. Um, you know, it, uh, I, I don't I don't think Miss Tessmarker has much agency in those films, and I suspect that they'll be disappointed. I need um, you to do a I need you to cosplay as. Lex Luthor. Gene I thought you were going to ask me to play, cosplay as Miss Testmarker, in which case, maybe. That would be awesome. <laughs> I think I would make a much better Otis, don't you? Is it Otis, the he's other sidekick? <gasps> oh, hey, wait, Ned you, Cox. You've got the you've got the scream of Miss Testmarker. You 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 got that well. <laughs> I grew up with Gene Hackman as my mm. my uh, Lex Luthor. You know, some people grew up with yeah. um. Uh, whatever the TV show was, Smallville, and that they, the bald guy yeah. in the show, um, uh, I forget his name. name, but um, some people, very, very unfortunate people, might have grown up around 2006 and got Kevin Spacey as their Lex Luthor, in which case you have my sympathies, thoughts, and prayers. Um, <laughs> we need a, le- um, yeah, and and the very unfortunate Michael ones who also grew up with Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Yeah. It's uh, an interesting take. But anyway, let's get back to Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of got off Hawkeye very easy because it's easy to get off. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's fine. It's I'm fine. not it's, enjoying it. It's going to be interesting to see if um, it grows and develops. So far, the action sequences seem pretty good. The fights are pretty good. Um, like, uh, what, what was it that we were watching the other day? Both of us were saying that the... Oh, Cowboy uh, Bebop. The, the martial arts sequences and that just seemed like not impactful. In this, you've got Haley Steinberg flipping around and doing all these actions and stuff, and it it feels impactful. When she gets hit, you you kind of feel it. Um, not so much in the aftermath. It's like, oh, you've got a cut here. You were just beaten up by six thugs. You're not built like a big shit house. You're probably going to be more pain than that. Again, I think it's a, this is that tonal thing of when we saw Charlie Cox's Daredevil in the Netflix show, he was constantly popping pain pills and had bruises and shit all over him. It would be kind of nice to see a little bit, a little bit more of that reality coming into it, and maybe they are going to do that with Clint's hearing aid and things like that, but who knows. I just like him to make it interesting. Like, come on, mm. everyone, the criticism from day one, why is Hawkeye even there? You know, the Avengers saved New York and Hawkeye was there too. Um, you know, like, he shoots arrows. How is he going to fight Thanos? You know, like, and that's when I thought what they did with him as a Ronin was kind of interesting. 
in the sense mm. that they actually kind of showed he had a skill set beyond shooting arrows. Um, and, you know, that would have also, just as an aside, would have been a fantastic way to have built out that um, Black Widow film. Would have been if it had been Hawkeye and Black Widow in Budapest. And that's where you learn about why Hawkeye is awesome and why, you know, the Avengers would want him in there. Um, of course, they didn't decide to do that. So they really needed to try and make him interesting. And so far, mm. he's entertaining. He's got reasonable chemistry with Kate, but it's they. I would not say that they have succeeded in in breaking that um, you know, that that meme of him being the least interesting um, Avenger. I mean, they are kind of even putting a bit of a highlight on it because repeatedly Haley Steinfeld, Kate saying, "Oh, your problem is branding." As well, yeah, that was that was an amusing scene. I'll pay that. Yeah. I'm not trying to sell anything. That was a good scene. But it, it, look, I'm, I'm being yeah. a little critical here. It's uh, every I would you know. I would say I'm probably maybe enjoying it as much as as I was Loki, but mm. the difference here is the bar for Loki was right up here. We expected a lot of Loki, like mm. I had super high expectations, and they they didn't meet them. Uh, my mm. expectations for, for Hawkeye are right down here because like mm. it's Hawkeye. I don't care about him. The amount of people who yeah. said to me, I'm not going to watch it. I don't care uh, about Hawkeye. And some people with mm. a, you know, an active um, axe to grind against the character because he killed Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, <gasps> it, it, so it's, it, it's, it's all right, but I, it, I, it's difficult to judge just considering the difference in expectations compared to the, mm. the previous Marvel series. But it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll keep watching. I'm, I'm like, you, know, you mentioned mm. Cowboy Bebop. I couldn't motivate myself to go back for more of that, but um, mm. I'll definitely keep watching Hawker. Yeah. I'm going to keep watching, but um, yeah, it's sort of like it's quickly becoming. Oh, I could put that on in the background. I don't really need to watch yeah. it. Kind of it's not. It's not must view. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's mm. now. If you start, remember the start of the year when we had um when we had uh, WandaVision? That was must-see TV every week. Everybody mm. was super keen to see mm. what's going to happen this week. What's the weird commercial going to be at, you know, which decades of TV mm. series going to take over? And we've come from that to this where you're like, it can be put on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. It's the degeneration of Disney branding. Uh, they come out with something that's big, bombastic, and generally overall impressive, considering what they're trying to do. And then they just go, "Oh, we had a success. Let's keep making it <laughs> and drive it." It has ground. been a little, I mean, not entirely their fault. Just I guess maybe the COVID. We've been kind of overloaded with product of late. So there's that, there are three movies coming out in the back end of the year and a TV <laughs> show. So that's a lot yeah. of um, a lot. But of still, like, they want they they were still going to release those movies. Anyway, they just chose not to release them all. So it's a lot of content they're pushing down our throats of Marvel superheroes in a year. Uh, and I like the point anyway. out, Sir John is um, is is pointing out the millennials ask unfortunate and annoying questions. I agree. <laughs> um, I do. Is it time now, for for our sponsors this week? I'm just going to do a quick finish up on uh, the latest episode, episode four of Wheel of Time, because I won't go into it too much. Just hey, I watched ten the... minutes of the first episode the other day, and you'd be shocked to hear I was pretty bored. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all because you're shocked, godless. Shocked, I tell you. <laughs> now, um, episode four continues. It is still wonderful for me, in my opinion. It's still a great adaptation. It's pissing me off that there are now fans kind of getting angry because they're 
changing bits of the story. Well, yes, you're not going to get everything because if they literally translated books into um, TV show, there'd be some really fucking long, boring, arduous hours of TV to go through. They are truncating, they are compacting, they are doing what they need to do to keep the story compelling. I'm really enjoying it. That's all I wanted to say on that. <laughs> oh, you can keep talking if you want to. I, I did give it a go. I did try. I might <clears> go back for more. Um, it um, it was just, you know, it's, it's, I think you get it, like, in a sense, you, know, you just couldn't get into Black Mirror. You always hated it. Yeah. And it's just something about it, that, something about it probably that I, I imagine it just makes you go, meh. I can't get motivated for that. Just puts you off yeah, something pretty much. unspoken. Whereas for me, I turn on anything and they've got like people with swords and cloaks on horses, and you're like, really? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a challenge now. Uh, Travis has made me watch some really horrible things. So if ever there comes a point where I have to uh, chastise Travis, he and I are going to go LARPing. LARPing? I overwatch yeah. movies, but we will not go LARPing though. So I did see a documentary about <laughs> laughing once. It was very interesting. Um, we are I, the gay drug is taking you to go axe throwing. I've seen pictures <laughs> of that. Um, so, can we? We're going to segue to our sponsor. Of our, uh, our yeah, uh, who's our sponsor this week? Our mid-show toilet break. It is the yeah the UK in the nineteen eighties, including oh. crunchy the crunchy chocolate bar. Oh, lovely, good quality chocolate bar. And I'm just okay. going to get the uh, system forward mm -hmm. here. And here we go. What is happening to Capri's Crunchy? An extra light-hearted honeycomb center. More delicious Capri's milk chocolate. Altogether, 20% more. Crunchy, it's Friday. Oh, oh, ho, ho. Another case for Inspector Connor of the Yard. A seemingly innocent victim, but the state of the victims and the vital clue, tangy tongue biting vinegar, lead Corner to the inevitable conclusion. Haywood's pickles are bitten again. Haywood's the only pickles to bite back. If you took the very best of nature and put it all together, you'd expect something pretty terrific, wouldn't you? New Golden Vale with corn oil and English butter for the butter taste you want and the pure goodness corn oil gives. New Golden Veil, the best of nature, in a way nature never knew how. He isn't like any man I've ever known. Pierre Cardin is his choice. But if you know a man like him, Special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, almonds, sesame seed bun. To all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce. I'm a now I'm a cake kid, cake kid. Cake, kid. Cake, kid. Cake, kid. Cake, kid. Cake, kid. From the 1980s. 
do not remember these ads. Do not remember these ads. Oh, no, I never, I never ate McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Remember, Captain, the British passed the port. The Russian passed the port. Yes. Okay. A fresh new classic fragrance created from the flowers of the world. Precious ambergris. Precious Fleur du monde. For the women of the world. Also for pianists. You know, I'm so I'm glad we made an upgrade to high definition world because, you know, before we had HD, everything was so blurry. Tradition tells of a pill's larder and of a silent messenger's timeless search, his quest that larder, the larder of Lamont. What the fuck is this? What is this? strong pills with a taste beyond time. Beer as it looks like the it looks like a fucking episode of He-Man of He-Man of Where's that Renee? Come on, that fuckers. Come on, fuckers. To reflect your highest standards, Nescafe Gold Blend introduced the seal of quality. Your assurance of all the flavor of the finest Arabica beans. So rich, it is nothing so to do with just pure advertising. Pure advertising. No other coffee can surpass it. Pure gold. Mm. I never settle for anything less. Reach for the gold blend standard. Only from Nescafe. Pure gold. She's just coffee coffee. Like a rabbin of men, what is remembered is up to you. There's, there's, I do not I don't remember. remember. There are a lot of adverts for, for perfumes. Perfume. You, I mean, you know what they say about the British and Barbs, though, don't you? No. That could explain the perfume. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Bathe once a month, thank you very much. <laughs> the big book of British smiles. <laughs> uh, classic stuff. Um, you, nothing in there you recognize then? You didn't eat a McDonald's when you were a kid? Um, I do not eat McDonald's ever. It is trash. Ooh. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 burger? I, I said that. I did have Wimpy, but I was always a Burger King man. Okay. Yes, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, there is a fast food chain in the UK called Wimpy, or at least there was. There was. I, that's actually a line in um, my movie from the week before last, last week in Soho. Um, like, the, the people met in a, had a lunch in a Wimpy, and said, like, oh, I'd love to do that. So I'm like, well, I don't think Wimpy exists anymore. So I'm like, oh, oh no, I'm that old. <laughs> I think they do. Uh, uh, as of October 21, the company remains headquartered in Johannesburg, South Africa. 
where it has 459 outlets. This is followed by the United Kingdom with 71 outlets. In 2020, okay. the company announced plans for a nationwide expansion in the UK. Okay, because nothing bad happened at this ready. <laughs> there you go, your plans. Um, you know, people I'll were looking for a silver lining. Your silver lining for 2020, Wimpy Burger. There's your silver lining. You're welcome. <laughs> now, Should we have a chat about the chain movie? Yeah, let's talk about vibes. This one really probably shouldn't take long <laughs> to be entirely frank. I was kind of taking the piss a little bit with this one. But uh, had you seen vibes or had you heard of vibes before? I had not seen or heard of vibes before. But I'm going to say it straight off the bat so that people don't, you know. I'll first read synopsis and then I will give my, my thoughts. So two psychics are hired to find the location of a lost Incan city located somewhere in the Ecuadorian mountain that is said to hide a great treasure. I really enjoyed this movie. You did? I did. It had kind of slight, it, it was very much a product of 1980s because it had that slight mysticism thing. There was a little bit. Even the, the opening thing, there's people being tested for their psychic abilities and they're pulling out the cards with the stars and things like that. So, oh, I saw that scene in Ghostbusters. And then the Americans being sent off to some American country. So, ah, that's very romancing the stone. And mm. there was kind of just a lot of, it's like a Frankenstein monster of pretty much every movie that the 1980s created all in one film there's a little bit of Indiana Jones sprinkled on there on top just for good measure yeah and it's just like okay this just warms the cockles of my heart a little bit I do appreciate it I'm very glad to movie oh, I'm glad to have introduced it to you then um I, I thought I was being a bit silly by introducing it see I actually I did remember seeing this in the 80s um yeah. bit of backstory for for people who don't exactly know how weird I really am um, when I was about 13. Do you remember there was a, a book you used to be able to get? It was called The Lennon Moulton's Movie Guide. Yeah. And it was a big book, a little paperback book about so big. And it was about yeah. that thick, full of movie reviews. And they were all like two sentences and like a little yeah. star review. And we used to have one of those in our house when we were a kid. And you know, every movie you'd look it up and you try to find it in the book. Uh, mm -hmm. I tried to write my own Lennon Moulton Movie Guide when I was about 13 and, and tried to write a, a reviews of like pretty much every film I could remember seeing. And um, <laughs> that probably extended to about 20 pages because, you know, it was just <laughs> on my head. And now um, we have a, a podcast about it. <laughs> yes. Years, interestingly, they, I, I took it and I submitted it to my high school library for some bizarre reason. And they kept it for like years and years and years. Um, unfortunately, I don't believe that, that school and that library no longer exists. Um, so but they were the keepers uh, of the, the sacred tome. They had to be destroyed. Well, yeah, great, maybe, maybe like, um, it, well, we'll dig it up one day, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but it can't be held against me in any court of law. It doesn't exist anymore. But this was one of the films that was in there. This film I absolutely okay. saw on television in the late 80s or early 90s, and I um, I definitely wrote a review, so I remembered it. But um, uh, talking to, to Michelle recently, this is one of her favourite movies. Uh, and I okay. was actually one of a few people who I who remembers it apart from her, and hence we followed Jeff Goldblum here. Um, I had the same reaction of you in the sense that while I was watching, I was like, Oh, I'm getting strong romancing the stone vibes here. And as you noted, I didn't, I mean, they've got the original scene at least initially 
did remind me very obviously of Ghostbusters with the cards, you know, a couple of wavy lines, you know. It's just not your day, is it? Um, and but yeah, then I sort of I sort of said that uh, you sort of got those Indiana Jones vibes throughout as well. Um, I think the, the the strength of the film um, relies on the chemistry between Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and Jeff Goldblum is Goldblooming the fuck out of his film. Like Jeff Goldblum has never Goldblum. Anyone who ever thought, yeah, anyone who thought, oh, it's it's what he's doing in his elder statesman years of his career. Nah, he's been doing this from day one. This was his act. Yeah, um, it, it's full of, but it's Goldblum at his most charming and disarming. He was quite an actor in his. I mean, he's still quite mm-hmm. an actor, but he was a he was he was really charming. Despite the fact that you know, I don't know that Cindy Lauper has ever done any other films or uh, anything of note um, in terms of acting. Mm. Apparently she was in Mad About You, but I don't remember that. Um, but I don't think she's ever did any other features where she was basically the, the star. I'll be correct yeah. if anybody remembers one that she was in, but I don't know about. Yeah. And while she certainly, she doesn't have a great deal of screen presence, she holds her own. Uh, and she's quite an unusual character in the sense that like, She's desperate. So to give a bit of background, we have a, as, as uh, George noted, a, a convention at a university or a series of test, some testing going on at New York University to um, try and identify who's people with psychic powers and who's the most potent. And we see all these various psychics being tested. Um, it's being run by um, Julian Sands, which is never a good look. If Julian Sands is running anything leave you know it'd be like it'd be like turning up it was Mads Mikkelsen and you'd be like oh hell no <laughs> I am out <laughs> uh, I want nothing to do with any of this um I will be your doctor no you won't bye um and as it says no it turns into they're, they're being while they're leaving the university they're being photographed by someone who turns out to be Peter Falk yes Columbo himself, who looks who then recruits um, uh, both Jeff Goldblum and uh, who's his name, Nick, and uh, Cindy Lauper's character, Sylvia, to go to uh, Ecuador, in fact, to uh, find his now lost son. Um, but apparently, it out there's more son. of a story than that. Uh, so, uh, Sylvia's psychic power is she has a psychic guide called Louise no one can see so it's a little bit like magic my my favorite martian is it the one that had the little the little magic martian at, um anyway um and so uh, jeff Maybe. goldblum can by holding things can get psychic vibes from a thing and tell who owned it and where it's been and that sort of thing which is actually um used uh, quite hilariously especially when he's in a, a hotel in ecuador and someone tries to seduce him by giving him uh, an aphrodisiac he goes oh this was in a this was in a an aphrodisiac. We have a, it's got oh it's got elephant horn in it or something. And he's like are there elephant horns in the basement in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's 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 actually quite funny. And the the the, the, um, the chemistry that develops between Peter Falk, uh, Ginny Lauper, and Jeff Goldblum is actually quite quite um quite adorable. Really, they become a little little team. Yeah, and the character that Peter Falk presents. It's so weird and wonderful and bizarre and it's 
he's not a bad guy, but at the same time, he's not a good guy. He's he's a weird mix, and I love it because it's very different to pretty much anything I know of Peter Falk doing. And the film, the characters in the film are somewhat different as well. In the Central City Lorber, mm. he's desperately trying to latch onto different men in the story. She's mm. desperately looking for someone to sort of to marry, um, which is an unusual characteristic for a female character in a lead character in a, in a film. Like she's throwing herself at men, someone with such mm. terrible self esteem um, that she tries to shack up with a very young Steve Buscemi. <laughs> in, a, in a highly amusing scene, and then yep. uh, tries to catch. And I think it's fair to say the, the love interest develops with um, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Good old Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and, and amongst that, also a uh, um, a very brief affair with the ambassador of Spain, um, which is uh, <laughs> ruined by Jeff Goldblum's character. Um, yeah. it, it, you made a note that it looks cheap. It really looks cheap. Like fascinatingly, they they shot this on location in ecuador okay i had to have a look at it because i'm like surely they didn't send you know uh goldblum and cindy lauper to to, to ecuador to film this show it's probably put a second unit right they shot a couple yeah. of scenes in a village and then they put the rest on the sound stage nope they took nope. them to ecuador yeah that's that's quite impressive um yeah not too many major feature films were shot in ecuador in the 80s i can tell you um we could be a very short list to be one i think um just reading some of the trivia on imdb and we talked about the um the chemistry between cindy lauper and jeff goblin and the first one is in her memoir cindy lauper stated that she and jeff goblin did not get along during production goes to show you, sometimes it can happen right good things can come out yeah. of chaos right um, exactly. It didn't come through. Didn't come through on the. Um, there you go. This movie was described as romancing the Ghostbusters in the Temple of Doom. Mm. Um, that's that's, that's not a not. Um, yeah, I, I actually, you didn't come through on the screen. I thought they 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 came, played off each other famously. Um, though, as I said, it, it's a little bit like you're a fan of professional wrestling. Uh, mm. Occasionally, you'll see a match between two people. One might be either a non-wrestler or someone just fairly new to the game. Uh, and they will usually stick them in the ring with someone very experienced. So mm. in the past, in the 90s, they might have stuck them in with a Bret Hart or mm. a Steve Austin or, you know, later years, like a, a, a Hunter Hearst Helmsley, a Shawn Michaels, an Undertaker. Guys yeah. who are just on their game workers, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the idea is that sticking the amateur with the guy who's a real pro the pro can sort of be the general and kind of make sure everyone ends up looking really good to the point mm -hmm. where you're like, Hey, that amateur guy can really wrestle. They really can't. They're just in there with somebody who makes them look really good. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of appropriate to this film here in the sense that mm -hmm. Cindy is just Cindy's first movie role. She's in there with an mm -hmm. absolute pro like mm -hmm. um, Goldblum, who I think was on the top of his game by the late eighties. He'd come through the fly, mm -hmm. the chill, mm -hmm. that sort of thing happening. In his career and i just think that being in there with an absolute pro like jeff goldblum just carried the film forward i'm not saying cindy was bad and just mm -hmm. saying that i think having the presence of such a strong actor put in such great form really carried it over the line yeah absolutely agree with you and i'm glad absolutely. they cut they cast goldblum in this instead of dan Aykroyd, who was the original choice yeah that that would have been a weird a weird movie 
but I love me, me some Dan Aykroyd, so it would have been nice to see another movie in him in it, but yeah, just just a weird choice. But anyway. You make a good point. Yeah. I would love to see if this film remade, personally, with a bit of budget behind it. Um, I think it could be very, very funny and very successful. I think it has the possibility to do that. I wonder if they would possibly end up just kind of leaning a bit more, kind of updating the, the psychic abilities a little bit more and kind of going, maybe it's aliens rather than just this somewhat nebulous ultimate power that is in a lost temple somewhere. Um, but I think that it's the kind of movie where with the right team, with the right chemistry of actors, you could actually do something really quite fun, almost kind of on a level of um, just the entertainment value of The Mummy or Jungle Cruise that I watched last time, where it, it knows what it's trying to be and it nails it. If it could do that, I think it could be really good fun. I think you make a the point there. This is, this is a film a little bit like the mummy was trying to be. The mummy was kind of a throwback to that 1930s serial mm. action-adventure film, which Indiana Jones is probably the most famous modern example of it. The ones that George mm. Lucas remembered from his childhood mm. and tried to recreate. Um, this yeah. is kind of an older-style adventure comedy like that um, mm -hmm. that just doesn't happen very often anymore. Mm. Um, and you're right. If you, if you could kind of harness that spirit that the first couple of Brennan Fraser mummy films captured mm -hmm. then it, it could really work uh as it is i like you i kind of went in thinking this is going to be cr absolute crap <laughs> i found myself laughing a few times i found myself kind of in, again like i said enjoying the chemistry of the main characters i enjoyed the um the costumes believe it or not like we were kind of paying great attention to cindy lopez costumes going that's ridiculous what is she wearing um yep. but it kind of works for her character here um, exactly. The bad guys are, you know, mustache twirling, cape wearing, you know, monocle wearing, you know, you know dastardly, you know, villains, and it, and that's fine. I, I'm fine with that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It. I mean, I, I, I'm now thinking, and I can see what would happen. We, we have this idea of, you know, we, we've said what, what would like, we'd like to see remake done, but it would probably end up being, um. Will Ferrell being loud over the top as the Jeff Goldblum character and then get someone like I mean, Zoe Chanel to partner up with him and then we'd probably have Richard E. Grant as the main bad guy. I would be 100% behind seeing Richard E. Grant as the bad guy in yeah. this. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you know who they would probably get to do it? They'd probably cast... Melissa McCarthy and probably drag her bloody husband Ben Falcone along for the ride, um, <sighs> and it would be fucking awful. Just stop um, inciting her name. We <laughs> say her name three times in front of the mirror, she'll appear and pitch a new comedy, uh, a sequel to uh, Identity Thief. Um, but you're you're right. It would be actually Grant would be fantastic as the bad mm -hmm. guy in this. You know, uh, yep. just to see him incorporate, hamming um, it up. Hamming it up, like just like he did in Star Wars or in Loki, yep. he's a treasure. Mm -hmm. um, do you have the keys now? If you've said all you want to say about uh, the like, vibes, I have said all I want to say, and I'm taking us to a very different type of movie. We are following Julian Sands, 
we are going to one of my brother's favorite movies. We're going to make lunch, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. I feel sick already. <laughs> See, uh, Naked I Lunch is based like... on a, um, is, um, it's a uh, William S. Burroughs uh, book, is it not? Uh, yes, I think it is. Um, but for those who do not if, know, if you are not... the William S. Burroughs, yes. After developing an addiction to the substance he uses to kill bugs, an exterminator accidentally kills his wife and becomes involved in a secret government plot being orchestrated by giant bugs in a port town in North Africa. Yep, that's what we're doing next week. <laughs> Does anybody know where I can get some weed? <laughs> because it is impossible to watch this film straight. Like, that's... It has to be, hey, you know, Dennis Burroughs was on all the, all the drugs when he wrote this book. And the only time, I used to live with a bunch of, um, I used to live with a bunch oh, of stoners no. back when I was in uni. It is not currently streaming anywhere in Australia, boy. Well, that's never stopped us before. Um, that's true. If you wait, tell we... us your film. <laughs> yep. If we, we can't. We're still going to follow um, Julie Sands, and we're going to go to another somewhat famous film, Arachnophobia. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I have seen that one as well, and, and as an arachnophobic, um, that's going to be... Uh, I, uh, I am very much looking forward to a naked lunch now. Those are your choices. I think I can get a copy of Naked Lunch for us. <laughs> I think I can get it for you. Um, you Naked Lunch is just, it's just one of those films that I have seen a long time ago, and I just kind of associate it with the guys I used to share a house with when I was in uni who smoked inordinate, unnatural amounts of weed. Loved it very, very deeply because it's a drug film. Yeah. Um, but And so that's kind of like in my head, it's constantly now associated forever with um, people sitting around in my living room smoking bongs um <laughs> and there was yeah there's some, some some puppet work in here but anyway is a david cronenberg film lots of famous mm -hmm. people in it plenty of places we can mm -hmm. go afterwards exactly so i'm being very kind to you there including robocop because peter will is in it yeah now where should we go i'm just glad you didn't say warlock i already had to watch that once this year exactly i'm like i knew that you'd already um well can i give, I a, I give a quick message Yes, um, it was for my other podcast, uh, which you know I you know, promoted enough. The throwback available now. We have a good possible. Um, <laughs> I'd love to give a quick overview and spoiler-free look at Venom Carnage. Mm, there will be Carnage. Yeah. I just keep calling it Venom yeah. Two. Just call it Venom Two. Part I'll two give. It, I'm, I'm going to be there. real quick on this one because I know George hasn't seen it yet. Uh, other than to say, um, so what I missed, I had breakfast. What did you have for breakfast? Don't leave us hanging like this. Um, Venom, there will be Carnage is a sequel to the 2018 Carnage Venom film, which I believe mm -hmm. is Shay's favorite superhero film. Uh, apparently, yes. And she is very excited for this sequel. Um, I, the first one is not my favorite superhero film. I remember <clears> thinking it was passable. It kind of held together, just mainly due to Tom Hardy. 
game mm-hmm. ended with a giant CGI fight between two things that weren't really there. So yep. yeah, same way most superhero films end, and you know, this one wasn't particularly engaging. You know what? This one didn't suck, according to me. Okay. I really, really, really expected it to suck. I thought the trailers looked awful. Uh, I thought they put, they must have used up all of their good ideas in the first one. And maybe they did, but because they kind of just did the same thing again. Um, mm-hmm. But it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Like, I laughed more at this film than I do at most comedies. Um, okay. Like, most comedies, like, you know, uh, I'm very, people who know me, I'm very fussy about, like, even stand-up comedy. Most comedies just, like, just go, they just fall completely flat for me. This one actually made mm. me laugh uh, uh, quite a number of times. I would like to call out that this is a PG-13 film. You see the American rating system, which means they get one fuck in a PG-13 mm-hmm. film. And they used it beautifully in this film. Like, is the best use of a PG-13 fuck I can remember. I really enjoyed it. Um, Woody Harrelson. It's kind of hard to take him seriously now, but I know he's an anti-vaxxer piece of shit um so sorry that you know <laughs> if you're any vax you can just get fucked um <laughs> but you know he plays woody harrelson you know you know okay. what you're gonna get when you hire woody um Naomi harris from the trailer it looks a little bit like he's in bringing in a bit of his natural born kiss character we wish we wish uh, uh, okay. i mean like it's it's is the PG thirteen? Imagine if it made that as a PG thirteen movie. He swore at a gas station attendant. <gasps> Gasp! Um, <sighs> you know. <laughs> so look, maybe if he's like, it's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of his natural born killer's character. It's pretty tame, um, but you know, it's fine. Michelle Williams is a highlight for me. I, I'm not a massive fan, but, you know, she did well in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say that I think the after credit scene, if anybody spoils that for you, just punch them in the nose because okay. it's a very, very good and very rewarding after credit scene. I think, again, the message for me here is that this film is um, rests very heavily on the shoulders of the fact that they have got an extremely good actor playing the main role. And yeah. Tom Hardy, I think, might be one of the top actors in Hollywood at the moment, mm-hmm. for me, in terms of what he can bring to the role. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting to see that he can do comedy reasonably well in this film. He's not known for comedy. He's known for sort of bigger action-type things. Um, and he does mm-hmm. comedy reasonably well. Um, and he's so damn likable as an actor on screen. He's got so much charisma and presence, and <laughs> you just kind of want to hang around with him the whole time and see, keep seeing more of him. And that kind of really carries the film through some of the flatter points. Um, okay. And if they had a lesser actor in that spot, I don't think mm. it would hold up anywhere near as well. I think it would potentially fall on the, out of the weight of itself. So it's a little bit like Momoa when he did... Um, Aquaman. Aquaman was such a weird com- sort of mess of different things. But Momoa mm. just seemed to be having so much fun in the main role. Mm. And he sort of embodied it so well. You just kind of went with it and go, okay, I'm going to keep watching. It's silly, but I get it. Same sort of thing here with Tom <laughs> Hardy. It's silly, but I like watching Tom Hardy. I'll keep watching it. 
you know, um, and, you know, I kind of sat on the couch the other day and watched the whole thing. I'm like, did I just enjoy that? I think I did. It was very good. Um, the, the only um, – some interesting names. It's Stephen Graham popping up in this film was weird for me. Um, for those who well, don't know that name. Stephen Graham, best known for playing Tommy in Snatch to me. Um, oh, okay. I think he's in um, – uh, I don't know what he's in a lot of TV shows as well. Anyway, he was um, he was in Ticket Taylor Soldier Spy, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, okay, this is England Boardwalk Empire. I think he was in as well. Um, okay, so anyway, he's and he, I, I I've seen Snatch so many times. He just is that guy from Snatch to me, uh, and he plays <laughs> an American in this film and he pulls it off. But you know, uh, it was just a little odd to see him pop up. I'm like I haven't seen him in something for ages. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you enjoyed the first one. You'll enjoy it. I'll be mm -hmm. fascinated to hear your thoughts uh, next week. Okay. Cool. All right. Now, I am going to um, talk about two new Netflix shows. First up, I'm going to talk about Arcane, which is based on the League of Legends video game. And instantly, I know that um, we are people, we are people who are very much waiting for the next big thing after superheroes, now that they've got them right overall, they're the big money maker. Video games, we keep on proselytizing, are going to be the, the future, the next thing. Um, and there's been medium to financial successes, at least. Um, but uh, nothing has been really uh, sort of like out of the park. Uh, hang on. I, uh, Okay, there we go. So this one is an animated series, and you don't need to know anything about League of Legends to enjoy this. I certainly don't, but it has got me interested in League of Legends, um, and apparently the company Riot Games are now trying to they've recently release a turn-based um, variation, like side story. I think they're doing an MMO as well, based in that universe. Yeah, I think they're doing, doing a bit more work to try and get people into League of Legends because it's one of those um, kind of lofted... It's an esports game, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's my understanding of it. But um, there's an opposite here. It's set in Utopian Piltover, the oppressed under, underground of Zun. The story follows the origins of two iconic League of Legends characters and the power that will tear them apart. The delicate balance between the rich city of Piltover and the seedy underbelly of Zorn, tensions between these city-states boil over with the creation of Hextech, a way for any person to control magical energy in Piltover and in Zorn. A new drug called Shimmer transforms humans into monsters. The rivalry between the cities, split families and friends as Arkin brings life to the relationships that shape some of the characters, including Vi, Jinx, Caitlin, Jace, and Victor. Um, this is a fucking awesome show. This is really fucking good. It has got emotion. It is stunning animation. Absolutely stunning animation. And it has got Hayley Stuffield as the voice of Vi. Um, it's got Kevin Alejandro, which some people might recognize. He was in Arrow. He's been in uh, True Blood. He was Lucifer. He's definitely a uh, one of those faces that you recognize, don't really recognize the voice. Um, the character of Victor is Harry Lloyd, who 
definitely ticks the box for you, um, Travis. He was Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's uh, why I don't recognise yeah. him. Yeah. But um, it's otherwise, it's a lot of kind of known performers, whether live action or animation. And they all do a really, really good job. But legitimately, the pacing of this, the animation is so goddamn beautiful. It is really wonderful. Um, the episodes aren't particularly long. There's, there's 10 for the first season, and they're 40 minutes pretty much on the nose for a single one. And the ratings for them are high. Like episode 1 is 8.9. 9, 9.8, 9.1, 9.3, 9.6, 9.5, 9.6. There's emotional development for each of the characters. I don't know anything about them, like I say, from the games. I love the what they do with these characters and how they breathe life into them. The one minor downside that I have is the kind of explanations, shall we say, that they have for why the character Jinx is crazy all over this character. Like, uh, I feel like you could have done something a little bit more unique, but it's still very forgivable. It's still very well done. And um, I just really recommend people watch this because it's fucking I mean, cool. I, I just saw it and I saw League of Legends and I'm like, no, thank you, pass. Um, That's what I thought. But, uh, and um, the only people I've seen say anything good about it are fans of a game. Um, and hence, I would be very skeptical about those scores on DB because the only people who would be watching this would be people. The vast majority of people mm. watching this would be Not people so. who play the games. And you know, from what I hear, it's if you like the game, you probably like the show. But I mean, I, I hear you saying it's good. <laughs> I just don't want to watch it because I don't like that video game at all. <laughs> but you do, you do prove of quality animation and the, the visuals on this are really beautiful if you don't like if you are not interested after i'd say even push it to 10 minutes that's i feel like my problem here is that because i'm going in it's got that mm. that brand on the front that i don't like but it's going to be hard to get get past it but that's, that's, well, that's just me saying this is my ingoing bias it's a little bit like Wheel of Time. Like I, I, those books, I could, I, my version of Hell would be reading those books. <laughs> um, and it's difficult to me to get past that with watching this show. It's probably quite good, and I'd like it to succeed. What I am thinking, looking at this go, is this to me is what Borderlands, the Borderlands conversion oh, yeah. to movie or TV mm -hmm. should have looked like. They've gone live mm -hmm. action, I think. Yeah, um, from have. what I know about it, Kate Blanchett, Blanchett, Jack Black, Jack Black uh, Kevin Hart's in it, um, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, um, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I'll tell you something though, this really, I because of the, the short cinematics that they made for Overwatch with all the characters involved with that, yeah. the way that they utilize the characters from League of Legends to tell a compelling story here. I want them to do that with Overwatch because, holy fuck, that would be amazing. They should have done it five years ago. Why they didn't yeah. do it, I haven't got yeah. the foggiest idea when that property was hot, hot, hot. And it's hung on a very, very long time, Overwatch, and we still yeah. have a year, 
year at least from Overwatch 2, I think. Um, and let's just face it, Activision Blizzard, not exactly flavor of a month in the gaming yeah. world right now. So, yeah, that's true. Do you that's really true. want Activision Blizzard making content you know, for your streaming channel with Bobby Kodak at the chair refusing to step down? If you know, mm. you know. If you don't, Google it. Um, yeah, so that's fair. That's fair. But you're right, and this is, is interesting. It would have. Uh, I'm thinking here, Borderlands would have looked good like this because this, this. I'm looking at mm -hmm. some of the animation pictures here. Just the cell shading animation of a game, Borderlands. Mm -hmm. I think would look amazing if it looked like this. Um, it's just another on the animation. This is top quality animation that looks beautiful in freeze frame. It's awesome when they're doing these dramatic close up just conversation pieces but it also looks really good as action and it puts what if to fucking shame again i'm Absolutely with you on that one the, the what if animation just looked cheap from the go yeah for an anthrax yeah. for a disney the house of mouse to have mm -hmm. cheaped out on the animation like that mm -hmm. i don't understand 100%, what they i don't know why they did it it yeah. could have been so much more. what point should they save the story for a new game cutscenes sell games <laughs> That's that's a fair point. Have you an I opinion guess. on that? You work in a. I, I think that. Well, this, this is the thing that I have with, like we we've got this most expensive TV show ever produced coming out of the last us. I don't see the point. Personally, I don't see the point because the story was so compelling. Is what won the last of us so much praise and. Um, just love when it first came out. I'm not a fan of it, just don't like the gameplay, but the story, it sounds really interesting and compelling. They were able to deliver that in a video game. All they're doing is just kind of like what Disney do with, oh, let's do a live action version of one of our animated movies. They're doing it because they just want to dog dip and put the modern flow on it. That's what <laughs> they are doing <laughs> with The Last of Us. So. The search on this is the House of Mouse sounds like a Nazi themed strip club, and I would be first in <laughs> line for that joint. <laughs> I don't know what about that says Nazis, but I like where your head's at. <laughs> Welcome to the House of Mouse, where all of your pleasures are sinful. <laughs> we have this of getting you off. <laughs> we have this of making you cock. <laughs> you were sit and you were put uh, dollar bills in the gesture um next season no. on netflix how um <laughs> but um yeah this this is just another real feather in the cap for the netflix animation division they are really doing some great stuff over there very excited for what they do next um but that's all I really wanted to say on Arcane. Cause I just it's it's an interesting experience. development, so, isn't it? Because people seem to be really digging this. I'm hearing lots of people saying how good it is. And yeah. it makes you wonder, like, they, if these guys do it, like, and that's Riot Games, the next cab off of a rank probably would be, got to be Epic Games, right? Why isn't there a, it's surely going to be a Fortnite series for those idiots who play that piece of shit game. Yeah, there'd probably be Fortnite. Um I wouldn't be surprised if someone somewhere is trying to create a Minecraft series. They Minecraft movie? dungeons, they set it in that because 
Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop RPGs have never been more popular than they are now. Just that, they, people would love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, isn't it interesting? Minecraft is kind of more of an educational tool now than a game. I don't know. I don't, um, don't know anymore. <laughs> I, I used to work with somebody. I used to work with somebody a couple of years ago who whose mm. kid used to do they had minecraft the education edition and they like there was an education and they would be using yeah they'd be playing minecraft at at um at school um and they're like and there is a minecraft movie apparently on imdb the malevolent ender dragon sets out on a path of destruction prompting a young girl and a, a group of unlikely adventurers to set out to save the overworld um <laughs> And so it's got a, it's got a, yeah, it looks like it's in development at the moment. So um, okay. maybe, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But there's a, they made, they made Battleship a film. So, you know. Again, don't say its name. <laughs> <laughs> I, now, before we get too long in the tooth, I do also want to talk about my other Netflix show. And that is another Korean show called Hellbound. Not Hellhound, like I've actually put up there. Um, it is bound and it's fucking cool man it's um when you look at the trailer you kind of think oh it's another monster invader city thing from korea they do that really well um same mode same mode. this no it, it it's it's throwing these things at you but doing other things to the side that really fucking cool so the premise of it is um, it's set in a in not our world. It's set in a parallel world where people have started receiving the voice of God. This kind of ghostly visage just appears, pushing through its huge glowing eyes and mouth, and it just says your name, and it says you will go to hell in X amount of days. And then time goes on. And then when that time comes, the three ghost-like, fluid, oily-like creatures just appear, wreck shit, beat the ever-living shit out of you to the point of death, and then incinerate And you are gone. And this that's essentially the starting point for this show. And we the, the season is six episodes, and the first three episodes follow two, main, two characters who are, on. Um, where is he? Uh, I haven't got them in bloody order. Um, but it's um, a kind of down on his luck detective and a lawyer who is trying to, they are both trying to work out what's actually happening here because there's this um, new religion that's building up called New Truth. And they're saying that it is God's wrath and it's God's way of kind of trying to redirect mankind to be more redemptive and noble and honorable. Um, and then the second half jumps forwards in time a little bit and New Truth has essentially become the prevalent religion on Earth. And how, what does that effect have on society now that over 50% of the world very much believe in heaven, hell, and the, at the very least, the fear of what happens to their soul after death. And 
it's fucking cool. It's really fucking cool. I love this shit because, yes, it's got CGI monsters in it, but they really don't use them too much. It's all about the relationships and the emotional turmoil that having this proclamation comes through. And I say, my one spoiler, my spoiler for the second half of the show is who gets a proclamation. And it's right at the beginning of episode three. The new people that we follow through this second half of the season. Um, a mother who has literally just given birth. She's takes sneaks a video camera in to film the baby because the husband is not able to go. And as she goes into the room, she captures this proclamation of this giant godlike head proclaiming to a six-hour-old baby that in three days they are bound for hell. And obviously the new truth have risen up because they have, their manifesto essentially, have never put in the idea of original sin, which is the reason why so many people have flocked to it, because they believe that, yes, you are innocent at birth, and it is only through actions throughout your life that can condemn your soul. You are not condemned straight away. And suddenly, of course, if this video comes out of a mere hours old baby, what would that thing do? And, oh, it takes you on a roller coaster. And it's wonderful. So good. So fucking good. Um, are you watching it dubbed or subtitled? Um, it's, I have watched it twice already. I watched dubbed and sub, and so far both are good. Um, I would presume the subtitles are probably more accurate to what the story representation is based off of Korean because they, that's what they're doing. The audio, the, the, the dub still doesn't follow what the sub is. So the, the sub is probably more accurate, but even there, even then it's still very good. And I don't think much is being lost in translation. Uh, so John says he's watched the great amateur show Mitsudomo. It's about triple sisters who are competitive with each other and everything all the time. Looking it up, okay. it looks like um, anime to a Japanese animation to me. So that sounds like okay. a more in Jaws' ballpark than mine. Where mm -hmm. are you watching it, Sir John? Uh, I can't say I've heard of it. Looks like there's only three episodes so far. This is a very old show, by the way. Um, about 10 years old. Oh, we'll check so. it out, John. Um, yes, uh, yeah. Hellbound seems to have mixed reviews amongst everyone else. It has a 66 on Metacritic, a 6 mm -hmm. or so on IMDb, and a Metacritic, a meta user score of 5.2. So it seems mm -hmm. to split its audience a bit. I think that's largely because it's not what you expect. I think the... I always use the Darko trailer as a good example of... They didn't know how to sell this to Western audiences, and they the Donnie Dark trailer was kind of it sold it as like a slap movie, and it's very obvious not in any conceivable way. This is a very different kind of thing. Um, even the poster, um, it's kind of just these three dominating monsters coming out with uh, a burning corpse. Um, it's like okay. Yeah, the symbology is there, but not the actual meaning of and the questions that it posits. Korea is very good at bringing all social commentary and social 
consciousness into their movies. And I always approve of movies doing that and TV shows doing that in an intelligent way. And I think this really does it. This very much is my wheelhouse of real world meets supernatural. It's what my books are about. It's that merging with the two. What if there was basically undeniable proof that there is a higher power, etc., etc. That's what I write about. That's what's here. What a bit it's like really that. Um, nice to see that. Jason mm. Reitman, um, the uh, Robert Redford film we watched is our chain movie. If uh, probably the last one we did before uh, oh, you uh, had to take your hiatus. Yeah, because that was sort yeah. of thrown in that in the sense that they discovered, not strictly speaking, heaven or hell, but they discovered an, an afterlife. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of just skirting on that kind of line, but it's really good. I would encourage you to at least watch the first episode, Trav, because I think you could could like it a lot potentially yep um mm. i i um it sounds it does sound like interesting the monster supernatural side of thing uh not really what i normally like but you know um that's not a hundred percent uh not a hundred percent of um the time mm. uh, so i would i would attempt to give it a go time allowing because you know i have to uh i'm gonna have to work on my ass off to get through naked lunch this week um before those bongs, I'm going to have to smoke to watch it. <laughs> before you know it, you'll have watched it 17 times. I mean, I still won't remember what it's about. No one ever does. That's not the point of Nick Lunch. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right, was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Or um, i just like to give you a quick shout. I'm not going to go into great detail, but I watched an episode of the latest season of, I'm not sure it's the new season or it was the last season I just missed. Of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, I know it was a new season a couple of years ago, but this was season two. And I'm, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not sure. I might have lost, um, I might have lost, uh, lost track of exactly where we're at in the, uh, in the, uh, scheme of things. Cause I know it's on Netflix now. Mm. And, um, it is, uh, a radio movie called Avalanche. And it, those who don't know what Mystery Science Theater 3000 is, it's, uh, a, a comedy series where, uh, it's set on a spaceship where people on the spaceship are forced to watch bad movies. <laughs> and they, they study them to their, they study their mind. Um, and, uh, it's been running since the late eighties, I think. And they just re mm -hmm. re revived it, um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think I have actually it was a couple, might've been, uh, a previous season rather than a new one. And they, uh, did a film called Avalanche, which is a rock Hudson, um, uh, f uh disaster film from the seventies. Oh God. If you, if you honestly, if you like me, I think I've got a couple episodes in and sort of went, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> Yeah, actually, tell me, I thought it was from season one. Gosh, I ain't going back a few years now. Worth a look at. Worth a look if you haven't actually given it a try. If you like stupid comedy uh, and smart-ass remarks, so basically the most of the show is the film being shown in the theatre with the silhouettes of a character from the TV show at the bottom of the screen making smart-ass remarks. <laughs> Are you a fan? I enjoy it as long as it's a... An enjoyable movie to dissect. Like I watched the when it got kind of redone for Netflix. I watched the first season of that, and I'd say overall it was good. But because so much of their content relies on content of other things, 
and what movies they can get rights to do and that sort of stuff. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's just see how, how it goes. And sometimes you can tell that it's like, oh yeah, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. We haven't got quite enough, but... It's a bit like, did you I'm never really came to any of the uh, cinema fiasco sessions? Yeah, I did. did. Did you? What did you see? You can't remember. Houseboat Horror, man. Houseboat Horror. What a classic that is. Yeah. And it's... The sweaters. <laughs> the um, it's, 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 Cinema Fiasco is a, is a Melbourne comedy show that does something fairly similar. They'll show a bad movie mm. in, a, and, in, a, in a cinema, and they'll have comedians in the audience with microphones taking the piss out of a film live. But it's mm -hmm. the same sort of thing as what you just sort of mentioned there. Occasionally, they'll... Mm. It, it just depends on how the film goes. Like sometimes the houseboat horror, which is an Australian horror film, they just knock it out of the park because it's just the right, it's the right length. Um, and sometimes like they bite off more than they can chew. I remember they showed a film once called The Swarm, which is about a, a swarm of killer bees oh, no. that go around killing people. And it's just, <laughs> it, the first, you know, the first hour or so was very funny, but they just kind of ran out of steam. It's just so long and so bad that no amount of jokes can save it. So you make a good point. MST three key does depend very heavily on um, on the quality of the film. But if you haven't had a look at it, or if you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, it's a bit stupid. I kind of forgot it was there. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of glad I went back to it. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that you don't need That's to. That's all keep I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, I think that brings you're us right. You're right. You know, it's it's, it's it's brainless. It's brainless comedy. Yeah. Yes, I think that brings us to the end of the show, and from the sounds of it, probably going to lose the internet soon, because thunder and lightning, ever so frightening, um, <laughs> determined to knock me off the air. Um, but thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this week. Um, we Just to review everything that we touched on, my God, we uh, talked about the Eternals, we talked about Hawkeye, uh, I just caught up on Wheel of Time episode 4 briefly, they had Let There Be Carnage, um, uh, Arcane, uh, Hellbound, and we finished up with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Next week, our chain of the other week is going to be Naked Lunch, or if Trav can't get hold of it, he's going to have to suffer. Oh, I have it. <laughs> I have it. I have a copy. It's All currently right, being some... uploaded to our... Um, central location of choice okay okay so we will be doing naked life next week um as well as probably catching up the next uh, episode or two depending on what happens for hawkeye um i am gonna actually do something well i've done something that i've done before i played halo infinite multiplayer and i will Ooh. talk about that next week there you yeah, go. Somebody look for, right. It's the first time he's played a multiplayer game in a long time. So, um, but this, this is forward. before the main game has released. So maybe my curse is broken. Maybe. I'm not. I don't think I can kill Halo. Apparently, <laughs> apparently the battle pass is pretty bad. Yeah, the game itself is is fun. Anyway, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, and all of that stuff. Um, and if you thank have you, Sir John, for tuning in and asking yeah, thank questions you, John. and uh, all the craziness. 
because only a couple of episodes ago in which they talk about local town gossip and rumours of goes metaphysical and it's called what's this? Gossip this is a message from Sir John. Uh, if you like bizarre comedy, there is a podcast with only a couple of episodes ever made, which they talk about cool gossip and rumours often goes metaphysical uh, gossip mongers, it's called. Right. I'm going to make like podcasts. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening, for, for watching, if you tuned in. Uh, tune in next week for see what we get up to next. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Good night.